chapters 8 in Romans. You know, I didn't realize that the ladies' Bible study has been studying Romans concurrently with the sermon series. Um, hopefully there hasn't been too much disagreement with, between what I've said and what your knowing your Bible have said. Fortunately, Paul wrote it, so if, if we try at least to discover what he says, um, it's difficult to go wrong. I'm just going to read the first uh, four or five verses from chapters 8 for now. Therefore, let's start a little bit above. I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man or woman am I who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself and in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful humanity to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in human flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Go home, memorize that passage. Romans 8, some say, is, is the, the kernel of, of Romans. Some people say this is the most wonderful chapter in the whole Bible. I think it's all pretty fantastic. But that first verse, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is just fantastic. And we all know Romans 8. It's, it's probably your favorite passage. I know it's mine. It's just got so many promises. Um, uh, Paul starts here. He says, there's no condemnation. He goes on. He says, you have the spirit within you. He, he says, it's a spirit of adoption which makes us cry, Abba, Father. It's a spirit which, which promises us the future inheritance. It's a spirit by which we cry out to God, even when we don't know what to say, it is the Spirit that lives within us, which gives us life. And Paul starts here, says, therefore, taking everything that we've done in Romans so far, from chapters 1, where Paul lays out his plan, through chapters 2 and 3 and 4, where he points out how terrible humanity is and the the horribleness of sin, and he's come through and he's told us how we've been set free last week through being united with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection in our baptism. And Paul's coming through all of this stuff and he comes to chapter 8 and he says, Therefore, because of all of this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have escaped sentencing. We have escaped the harsh words from the judge. There was a brilliant TV show on the ABC a few months back where they, they went into the courtroom and, and they basically followed the whole case. That is loud rain. But I'm louder. <laughs> they followed the whole case and you could, you could see how things went. And, and then when, when eventually the verdict came back from the jury and said guilty, 
what the judge does is he stands up and he says, right, Joe Bloggs, you are a rotten so-and-so. You did this, you did this, you did this. I condemn you to this much jail. And even the most horrible crimes, you've got to kind of feel guilty for somebody who's being condemned after being found guilty. They deserve it. And yet Paul says here, there is no condemnation. There is no God standing there saying, you rotten so-and-sos. Because last week we have been united with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. And if we've been transferred from the life of Adam into the life of Christ. And we're not going to get to it this week, but and you see towards the end of the chapter, Paul comes back to this, this, this and he says, you know what? Nobody can condemn us because we have been set free. We have been set free through Jesus Christ. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Says Paul, there can be only one ruler. There can only be one king. And in Jesus Christ, the rule of sin, the rule of death, the rule of law as legalism has been done away with and we are in Christ Jesus. And last week Paul was talking, what a wretched man am I? How will I survive? This week, as Anna-Marie got and reminded us, where is Anna-Marie? Somewhere. Over there, as you reminded us, the Spirit has come. And that, that defeatist talk, that how am I going to cope talk, that, that I can't do this in my own strength talk with the Spirit, it's gone. Because what the law couldn't do, God did. And, and God being God, he, he, he sort of, he makes a point of showing how fantastic he is. What, is, what does Paul say to us here? He says, what the law couldn't do. Why? Because it was weakened by our sinful nature. So why does the law result in sin and death? Last week Paul told us, well, it results in sin and death because we are sinful. And the good law is corrupted. And when we're told not to do something, we immediately do it. And when we're told to do this, we immediately don't do it. That's our sinful nature corrupting the good law. Paul says, God's brilliant. What the law couldn't do because it was corrupted by, by flesh. That's the word there, flesh. God did. How? By condemning sin in, in flesh. See what God does? He says, right, the problem is with flesh. So, let's deal with it in the flesh. Let, let's overcome the obstacle. Let's win the victory in the very place where it seems most unwinnable. And so he sent his son in the likeness of flesh, of fallen humanity, depending on your translation. He was human. And he was like us. But he wasn't exactly the same as us. That's why Paul says, 
doesn't say, Paul doesn't say God sent his son in human flesh, in sinful humanity. He says God sent his son in the likeness of sinful humanity. Because although he was human, he was sinless. He became like what we are so that we can become like what he is. Paul goes on, he says, he sent his son as a sin offering. You might remember when we looked at Leviticus months back, the sin offering is the offering that is given for sins committed involuntarily or unwillingly. Sins where you've done something wrong and you really didn't want to do it wrong. You didn't know it was wrong. It reminds me of something. Um, what, what does he say there? Um, I, I do what I, I don't want to do and I don't do what I, what I do want to do. What does Paul say? You know what, this, this complaint that I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to, all of that confusing stuff, this, says Paul, this is the sin offering. For unwilling sins, God sent Jesus to make amends for that trouble, for that confusion, for that, I, I want to serve God, but I just can't. says, Paul, there's no condemnation. God sent Jesus to deal with exactly that. And God condemned sin in Christ. So that there is no more condemnation. Why? Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Why did God send his son onto the cross where he bled and he died and into the grave where he was buried and from whence he rose? For our justification. Yes, there is now no condemnation. But ultimately, that's not, that, that's not the end game. God doesn't say, right, you are justified. Let's stop there. Second half of verse 4. So that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. God did all of this so that we might be holy. God doesn't stop with justification. God doesn't stop with no condemnation. God says, right, there is no condemnation. You are holy. But I'm going to make you to be like Jesus. And you will live according to the Spirit. you will fulfill the law. I'm going to ask um, 
There was a pen. And Steve, could you come forward? God, we thank you for the, the bread which represents your body that was broken. We um, pray that as we partake in this ceremony that your Holy Spirit will touch everyone's heart. what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son and he condemned sin in human flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be met fully in us who live according to the spirit Blessed Lord, when we think of what you went through on that cross, your blood poured out for us, our hearts are torn within us, and yet we know that it was only for love of us that you died that terrible death on the cross, and that your blood poured out for us, cleanses us from sin, and raises us to new life with you. So how could we do other than thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the pouring out of your blood, that blood which we see represented in this wine that we take today. And may the taking of it bless us and lift us into a new realm with you. We thank you for it, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
by his blood there is no condemnation. By his blood we are righteous. By his blood he is given of his spirit. By his blood we have been set free. By his blood we have life. By his blood there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Sunday school. Off you go. That's a bit of a sudden change, isn't that? Um, if you could just pass the cups to the end of the rows or somewhere. If the Sunday school could go out, I believe they've got a party. Uh, I'm spotting to see if there's anybody over the age of 18 going out. Because I think you just want to go party. But we have good news in this place today. Let's read on uh, in Romans 8. Not much more. Those who live according to the sinful nature, according to the flesh, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind controlled by the sinful nature is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. (coughs) Excuse me. Don't cough into a microphone. Uh, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, well, it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, and it can't submit to God's law. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received uh, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. Paul's just finished that fantastic 
four verses of Romans 8. Seriously, go home and memorize that. It's fantastic. And right at the end there, he, he speaks about us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit, which I believe is, is speaking to us who are being sanctified and being led by the Spirit of God. And he, he, he wants to unpack that a little bit more as he goes forth, uh, which is what he does in verses 5, and in particular verses 5 to 8. And he starts speaking about these two minds, or, or mindset is, a, is a, probably a better word, um, and basically what Paul is saying is, is our basic mindset, our basic outlook on life, our basic mode of thinking, well, that, that stems from, from who we basically are. Are we Christians or not? Are we regenerate? People in whom the Spirit has created new life? Or are we unregenerate and dead? And, and I'd want to, I'd wanna, if I was writing, I'd say, you know what, people are like, people are how they are because of how they think. So if you think bad stuff, you'll be a bad person. If you think good stuff, you'll be a good person. It kind of makes a, a kind of sense to me. And I don't think it's wrong, but, but you, you see what Paul does instead? In verse 5, he says, you know what? People think the way they do because of how they are and who they are. In other words, I think what Paul is getting at here is that the way we think, the way we look at the world is like a, a spiritual thermometer to the status of our lives. Showing us who is in charge. Is it the spirit who is controlling my life? Or is it the flesh whose dictates I follow? And so we have to ask ourselves some questions. We say, well, when, when I go about my daily life, what is it that preoccupies me? When my mind goes blank, which it never does, what's in there? What am I thinking about? What is the first thing that I think of when I wake up? What is the last thing I think of when I go to sleep? What is it that drives me forward? What is it that inspires me to act? What is it which, which just occupies my mind? Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my energy? What do I give myself to? What is the mindset that I have? Is it the mind of the Spirit? And we say with the psalmist that, that the law, I think it's a psalmist, that the law is the last thing on our thoughts at night and the first thing on our lips in the morning. This is just an aside, really. 
that, that, that song we sang, more love, more power, more of you in my life. I will worship you with all of my heart. I will worship you with all of my mind. I will worship you with all of my strength. Says Paul, where is your mind at? Is it worshiping God or not? Because the mindset that we have has eternal consequences. Paul says it there. He says, the mind that is set upon the flesh, upon the sinful nature that is controlled by that is death. But the mind that is controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 6. Life and peace. Who here wants death today? I can offer it cheap. Who here longs for life and peace? says, Paul, life and peace is the mind set on the Spirit, so let us set our minds on the Spirit. Let us be led by the Spirit. And you know, that, that's more than just coming to church on a Sunday and sitting through a sermon in two halves. That's more than just cracking open your Bible, you know, just sort of, right, Lord, what are you going to say to me today? That's not setting the mind on the Spirit. Although the Spirit can still use that because He is God and, and He's in control. But, but you know what? The, setting our mind on the Spirit is... You know what? We can be, we can be proactive about this. We, we can feed our mind with the words of the Spirit. And actually use our minds. You know what? Just reading through a passage and say, Yeah, I've done my Bible study today. Sorted. Spirit, your work is now time for you to happen. Lead me. That's not how the Spirit leads us. We should, we should be reading. We should be studying. We should be struggling with the text and saying, what are you saying to me today, God? What would you have me do with this passage? I don't think it's just a bunch of words. It must speak to me. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? I mean, a mindset on the Spirit is a mind that as you're, you're walking down the shopping aisle, pushing the trolley, you're thinking, yeah, that passage this morning, what on earth was it saying? Do not steal. Hmm, I wonder. A mindset on the Spirit. It says Paul, a mindset on the Spirit is a mind that is fundamentally pleasing to God and pleased in God. Verses 7, I've now changed my Bible passage there. Romans 8 verse, I think it's verse 7. It says that the sinful mind is hostile to God. Those whose minds are set on the Spirit, who are being led by the Spirit, who have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead within them, they are pleasing to God and they are pleased in God. And yet those who have set their minds on the things of this world, they look to God and they say, what a load of insert word here of your choice, but I'm sure you don't know any of those. You 
tonight, if you've ever wondered about your security and thought to yourself, I wonder if God really has saved me. I wonder if, if I really do have the Spirit within me. You know, verse 7 is a fantastic verse for you. Because what does Paul say? He says, those, uh, the mind controlled by the sinful nature is death. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. If you are looking at God and saying, God, I want to know you more, that is not a mind hostile to God. That is of the Spirit. If your gut reaction to God is nasty, then says Paul, you are being controlled not by the Spirit of God, you are being controlled by your sinful nature. And if you are not being controlled by the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of Christ is not within you and you really need to do business <coughs> with God. <coughs> Excuse me. Because, says Paul in verses 9, as Christians, any Christian is a person who has been taken from the realm of law and sin and death and brought into the realm of grace, in the realm of the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of Christ within us. We are being led by the Spirit. And you look back at me and you say, well, Nick, it's wonderful to know that if we're a Christian, we've got the Spirit in us, and we are led by the Spirit, and He leads us into all holiness. That is fantastic, but, but how come I sometimes don't act like I'm being led by the Spirit? How come I, like Paul, can go back into Romans 7 and say I'm struggling, struggling, struggling? You know what, the spirit, the spirit is not a violent spirit. God is not violent. God gives His Spirit to call us to follow Him and to lead us into holiness. Yes, there is no condemnation, which is fantastic because even now we still deserve condemnation from the things that we do, but it's been taken care of. We are led by the Spirit, but, but that doesn't mean we can sit back. We need to seek the Spirit's leading. We need to actually put to death the things of this world and, and the desires and the passions of the sinful nature, of the flesh. Because, you know, even with Christ within us, the spirit of life within us, says Paul in verse 10, our bodies are dead because of sin. For now, one, one day when Jesus returns, that'll be dealt with. But our bodies are dead because of sin. 
but the Spirit is life through righteousness. Has somebody got the NIV Bible? Can you read for us perhaps the, um, the second half of, of verse 10? Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's the NIV translation. I love the NIV, usually, but it's not a very good translation there. Uh, What Paul actually says is, spirit, life, because of righteousness. Not saying, it's not saying as if, you know what, your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. As if the body is pathetic and dodgy, but the spirit, wow, your spirit within you is ooh, floating alive. No, what Paul is saying is your body is dead because of sin, but you have the spirit of life within you. You are not a person in two halves, you are a whole person. And one day, verse 11, the same spirit of life that is within you will raise the whole of you up to life. There will be a bodily resurrection. God is concerned for all of you. Spirit of life. And so we have an obligation, says Paul. Definitely not an obligation to live according to the dictates of our flesh, according to what the sinful nature wants us to do, but, but an obligation to live out what we have been declared to be. There is no condemnation, says Paul, in verse 1. Therefore, we have an obligation to live according to the Spirit. And I love verse 13. He says, If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I don't know who it was who coined the phrase, but it's a nice one. There is a kind of life which leads to death, and there is a kind of death which leads to life. What the world calls life, which is putting myself forward, results in eternal damnation. But when we, by the Spirit, put to death the ways of the old self, there is a life. It's a fantastic word, mortification. Putting to death the old self. Now, Jesus spoke about that in, in Mark chapter 9, where he said, you know what, if, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your arm causes you to sin, chop it off. If your leg causes you to sin, get rid of it. Because it's better to go into heaven with one eye and one arm and one leg than to go into heaven, well, than to not go into heaven. It's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you know what, take this seriously. Deal with sin. Put it to death. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, he says, take this out, look at your sin, bring it out into the open, stare at it, see it for how evil it really is, denounce it, hate it. Until you've really dealt with it. Put to death the deeds of the sinful body. Be proactive. To use Jesus' language, not looking, not touching, not kicking. Instead, as Paul reminded us in verse 5, set our minds on what the Spirit desires. I love verse 13. But how on earth does verse 13 fit with verse 1? Do you see them together there? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Implication, you have life forever. Verse 13, those who live according to the sinful nature will die. Those who put to death through the Spirit the misdeeds of the body will live. No condemnation. Oh, you better do the right thing. If there is no condemnation, and condemnation results in death, how can we die, in verse 13, if we don't put to death the misdeeds of the body? Well, let, let's be sure of one thing, that the Spirit of God doesn't make mistakes. And he inspired Paul. And Paul wrote both of these things, so we've got to hold them both in balance. There is no condemnation. Be assured that if you are a believer in Christ, if the Spirit of God is within you, you cannot fall. You will not be condemned. Christ has already declared the verdict of not guilty. You have already been justified in the cross. We have already celebrated your freedom. Verse 2. And yet, we have to take very seriously what Paul says in verse 13. We have to put to death the old self. It's dead. It's dying. One day it will be eradicated. The body is going to die, says Paul in verse 10, but the spirit of life is within us. It shall not overcome us, but we shall, we must, through the Spirit, overcome it. And you know, it's not good enough for us to sit and say, well, you know what, Christ has justified me freely. Now he can just... He can do the the sanctification as well. Sitting back. Come, Holy Spirit, time for you to work. That's not how the Spirit works. 
that's how the Spirit works in your life, please come and see me because that's weird. Spirit works by bringing to mind and by prompting us and by saying to us, you know what, you have been set free, so why are you living that way? Why are you doing that? Why are you thinking that? And the Spirit says, will you deal with that? Most amazingly, as Paul points out to us, the Spirit not only says, will you deal with that? It says, and you can, because I'm in you. Because there is no condemnation, you can deal with the issues of the old self. Your body is dead, but the spirit of life is within you. Let me finish. I've gone a little bit over time. We have the spirit of life within us that declares to us we are not condemned. Which gives us, because of the cross of Jesus, Yes, so that we might be justified, but, but so that we will be like Him, holy and righteous. The Spirit of life which prompts us and says, I want, I want you to become like Jesus. The Spirit who leads us. And maybe this morning you're thinking, well... Does the Spirit lead me? How do I know? How do I know? Those ifs that Paul uses in our passage, if the Spirit of Christ is in you, if the Spirit of God is within you, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is within you, if, how do you know? already seen one answer. Paul says, well, if you're not hostile to God, then there's obviously not a sinful nature within you. Do you know what the best answer to how do you know is an expansion of that is who is God to you? Do you look at him with hatred, in which case there's trouble? Or do you look at him and say, None of us are Aramaic, so we're probably not going to say Abba. (laughs) You look at him and say, Heavenly Dad, Father. There's two things that are impossible. It's impossible for a mind controlled by the sinful nature to, to be anything except antagonistic towards God. It's impossible to call dad, dad, without having the spirit of Christ within you. My brothers and my sisters, the spirit of life, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit by whom we can say with certainty there is no condemnation, the spirit who is leading us, and transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. 
May you just be so conscious of his presence. May he still your fears. May he encourage your hearts. May you, may you be led in the path of righteousness.